Bonjour, Tansay. Welcome to Mino Gundagan, the Good Voice Podcast, a show exploring reconciliation from an Indigenous perspective. I'm your host, Tim Fontaine. On this episode, we speak with two very innovative entrepreneurs who use community as inspiration. We pose the question, has reconciliation happened on an economic development scale? Has it happened within the lives of these go-getters? Stick around to find out. Our first guest is Kyle Nobis, a film actor and screenplay writer born and raised in the city of Winnipeg, Manitoba. His credits include the television show Mohawk Girls and the film Curse of Chucky. Nobis has also been named one of the top 10 television personalities by APTN. Bonjour, Tansi. Welcome to Minigandagan. And I am here with our special guest, Kyle Nobas. Kyle, how's Hello. it going? Good. How are you doing? I am doing well. Um, so you've got quite a few things on the go right now, don't you? I do, yeah. It's pretty exciting. It's, uh, it's been many, many years of, you know, hard work and kind of putting it all together. So it's, it's always nice when you see the, uh, you know, everything start to flourish. Um, so the... One project that I wanted to talk to you about um, is your Road to Freedom. Yes. Tour. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, I, I I went to a fly-in only community for the first time like eight years ago or seven years ago. I can't remember what it was. In my early twenties, and it, it just uh, it, it just it was one of the big, biggest eye openers experiences of my life. Like I went. And I worked for six days with with youth there, and it was like forty five minute flight from my home, and I couldn't believe it. It was like I got dropped off at a third world country, wow. and I couldn't comprehend that this was a forty five minute flight from my home in Manitoba, and it was like third world, like, like no one knew. It was like, but then what what was so inspiring was the youth there. They were all so happy to see us, and they were welcoming and. The community was welcoming. They brought us into their radio show and wanted us to announce. And it was just like, it was like instantly family. And I don't know. I just like, man, I don't get that type of welcoming from my own, <laughs> my own <laughs> home, you know, my own, my own city. Yeah. Never mind uh, a reserve, an isolated reserve. So I thought, you know what? I, I, there's no way I could turn my cheek on this. I, I got to try to help them any way I can. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and how I could do that is through education and insp- inspiration. So, I started this, this workshop called Road to Freedom, and it just focuses on introducing First Nations youth to acting, to storytelling, you know, uh, just to, to find ways to, to have a creative outlook or outlet, you know, a healthy creative outlet. And, uh, and it's worked out amazing. We've been to over 40 different communities. You know, I've worked with wow. over 400 youth, and uh, it's been amazing. The feedback has been phenomenal. People are now... Some indigenous youth are now, like, you know, interested in acting, or, or they, you know, they're 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 looking at it differently. They're they're so it's just, you know, one one community at a time, right? We're just I'm just trying to uh, share that same inspiration that I had because that's been my creative outlet is is acting is, is just creating projects, you know, and just storytelling. Uh, I always tell them like we we've evolved from storytellers. You know, our people are storytellers. Yes. I mean, it's that's who we are. So it's like, if they just have the tools in their hands and get shown how to do it, then sky's the limit, you know, because that's, those are the stories we haven't heard yet. Are the, the, are our people on reserve, man, that's a whole different life. And if you could survive that and still want to succeed, you're the real heroes of this country. So, <laughs> um, and you also have a, a, a second project on the go. I mean, I feel like, 
indigenous folks in the entertainment industry, we always have about a million th- different things going on. But you also have, you know, sort of a made an announcement on Facebook recently about your uh, another project that is uh, coming into fruition. Yeah, well, it's a feature film. I, I've written two feature film scripts, and they've both been sold, and they're both in pre-production. So it's been pretty cool. I, I just, I've always had a dream to make mainstream contemporary stories, Indigenous stories. Like, I'm just so sick and tired of the Cowboys and Indians, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, and I think so is everyone else. I mean, like, guys, this isn't 1800s anymore. This is 2018, and, like, you know, yes, we're Indigenous people, but, man, like, we got stories, and, and we can do anything that anyone else can. So I'm trying to just write stories and write work for us where we can, you know, start entering the Netflix of the world and start showcasing our talents on a mainstream platform because I'm, you know, I'm just getting so bored of, of the stereotypes. So it's like, you know what, let's, let's create a whole new uh, platform for us. So I, I just, I, I'm just eager and just right now I'm just developing projects. But yeah, I wrote this horror movie called Billy and it's a contemporary story, you know, based in 2018, but you know, it's, it's, he's got to go back. He's being haunted by the Wendigo spirits, so he has to go back to his reserve and find out where it all came from. So it's going to be a really eerie kind of like just awesome horror movie. Hopefully that could just be ours, you know, yeah. for our people, but, but impact the mainstream audience. And, uh, you know, it's exciting. I, it's, it's, it's my second script I wrote, so, and I'll be starring the film. Jordan Malero, a friend of mine, he's, he's directing it. And, uh, yeah, we got some funding, so, you know, I was sick and tired of auditioning thousands of times. <laughs> I was like, you know what? If you're not going to give me my leading role, I'm going to create it. So, well, exactly. Yeah, and now I'm starring in it. So, there's my Rocky story. That's so amazing. Uh, now, Kyle, let me ask you this: Did you grow up um, with the story of of the Windigo? Not, not the Windigo necessarily, but I, you know, I've walked with both paths. I've walked mm-hmm. with darkness with with light. You know, I've. I battled addictions, you know, I, I've, I've yes. overcome some addictions, I've overcome some darkness in my life, so I'm very familiar with both with both paths, and I think we all are, you know, yes. whether or not we want to admit it, so, you know, I'm, I'm always very intrigued by by darkness and light and good and bad, I just love that whole battle, so this, you know, it's always been, a, it's, I mean, it's a daily battle, right, it's kind of your choice on who you want to guide you, so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely been a part of my life, but it's uh, it's not it's more necessarily just to create a, you know, a cool contemporary story as opposed to a personal personal battle. How do you think the industry has changed in terms of indigenous equity? So in terms of indigenous representation, do you think it's improved at all? Yeah, I guess one could argue yes, but I mean, like, it's not improving at the steps I wanted to improve. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I I got one life, so I'm trying to make the impact the biggest impact I can. And it's like, at the rate this is going, unless we create our own, no one's going to do it for us. And it's going to go at a very slow speed. People are intrigued to help and represent Indigenous people, but it's easier said than done. Like, it's just a different world, man. And, like, the reserve life, like, it's, it's, it's just a mystery to everyone. So no one, no one really knows how to, how to connect. I know a lot of people want to. A lot of people want to represent. But at the same time, they're also, I think, battling with the stereotypes that society has given mm-hmm. them. I mean, unless you experience it for yourself on reserve and, 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 and see that type of life and, and really get to know Indigenous people, it's always going to be the stereotypes that you see first. And, and uh, I think people are always going to have that deep down until, like I said, we create our own stories and show them that we're just like you. You know, we're like mm-hmm. anybody else. We're human beings first. 
and uh, from there. But no, I honestly think it's going to be the artists. You know, I think Louis Riel or someone mentioned that, that the seventh generation is going to come back. The artists are going to make the difference, and I, I, I believe it. You know, I think yes. it's, it's within the artists that are going to really make the impact, and it's time we stand because I think the youth right now, you know, ages, you know, whatever, 10 and up, 10 to 30, that's the power. I mean, you know, we have so much history to, to guide us on what to do, what not to do. And at the same time, we have access to social media where we can get that new knowledge. So I think if we direct the youth in the right direction, man, they could they could really lead us to a very good place. Yeah, um, I, I think everything that you said is, you know, absolutely spot on. Um, so as you know, as we're you know, living in this climate and, you know, living in the 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 94 calls to action um, have been made, they have been called. Um, and, and for you as an Indigenous man, um, wh- how, what does reconciliation mean to you? What does reconciliation, um, like beyond the buzzword, what does it mean to you? I, I honestly, I think the word's equality, like, it's just, uh, you know, you look around and it's like, you know, we've made some big strides. Like, you know, we've, we've, we've accepted African-American, you know, you went from slavery to a black president. We went from not accepting, you know, two-spirited to now accepting gay marriages, two-spirited. So at the end of the day, it's just as soon as you see a race or someone as equal, you treat them as equal. And Indigenous, that, that's just, I feel like it's the last race that anyone's refusing to see as equal. There's mm-hmm. still, there's still a layer b- below. And I'm not saying that to, you know, bitch and complain. It's just the reality. So it's like, I, that's why I, I always go back to seeing storytelling and telling our stories. Cause it's really, I think it's really only going to be us that shows that we're, you know, that we have skills like anyone else. Mm-hmm. And until we tell our stories, that's when people are going to see us as equal. So at the end of the day, the word's equality. Yes. I mean, you know, we're all human beings, but with stereotypes and judgments, again, that keeps people from seeing someone else as equal. So it's, it's hard to explain, from my opinion, but it's equality. And that's what I'm just trying to do. That's why I'm, I go to these reserves, and that's why I'm trying to, when I'm not doing my creative projects, I'm trying to do these, you know, these types of other projects because... I just want to empower our people so that they could feel equal. You know, like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, whether you want to call us Canadian or not, we're all together. You know, we're all in this country together. And yet at the same time, there's a big separation. So there's not even equality within our own country. So that's just equality, man. That's a big <laughs> word. It's, and it's a good word, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's one word that unites us all. Um, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> do you... Um, do you feel like your work or, you know, just, you know, as somebody in the entertainment industry, as, you know, somebody in the media, do you feel like the TRC's 94 Calls to Action, has that impacted your work at all? TRC Call to Action. Um, can you elaborate on that? Like, what do you mean by that? Um, so the Tr- Truth and Reconciliation Commission, um, they yeah. came out with the 94 calls to action you know which sort of um they span across um you know health environment safety 
um, land rights, um, economic development. Um, and they were all sort of like, you know, the, the 94 suggestions of, of what needs to happen for, for, you know, reconciliation to actually, um, happen. Do you feel like, you know, once the, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, um, started doing that work, have you seen any changes that have impacted your work as, you know, as, as an entertainer and as somebody in the media? Um, I don't know. I mean, if I'm going to be honest and not say what I think you want to hear, I'm going to mm. be honest. I, yes, um, please no, be honest. Not, like, I, I don't pay attention to any of that just because, again, like, you know, I realized, being, you know, being 30 years old now, like, no one's looking out for me. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. no one's, I don't know, man, no, like, at, at this rate, like, there's too much I want to accomplish and do. Like, I, I'm not waiting on anyone. That's why I'm like, you know, I've created a YouTube channel with my brother. You know, we partnered with Much Music. We got over 2 million views. I've written movie scripts. I've sold them. I'm starring in a film. I've, I've, I'm a national speaker. You know, I've traveled. I've spoken at Weed Day. I got myself all those gigs. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I, I, I got, I reached out to agents. I reached out to everyone else because, I don't know. I mean, I, I could wait around all day and point fingers, but at the end of the day, man, like, we are all more than capable to just start creating our own magic and, uh, and telling people what we want, you know? Mm-hmm. So if I were to sit around and wait for, quote-unquote, government to uh, come up with any solution... As much as it's probably helping, and man, I love all the people who are trying to make an impact. That's awesome. It's it's not going at the speed that I would want it to go at. Right. Yeah. Um, like life's just it's just too short, you know. It's, it's just flying <laughs> by too quick. So it's like, man, I can't wait on anyone. I, I and I mean, you know, that is you know something that Indigenous folks and you know marginalized people have been dealing with, you know, f- for forever. Yeah, is you know sort of you know not being able to wait around and having to create our own opportunities. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, no, I totally, I totally get where you're coming from. Um, so just to close up this interview, um, what are what do you think are the ideal outcomes of the work that you do? Like, what when you're an old elderly Kyle what you know what do you hope to sort of like leave in your path I think I I think it's the fact of uh just to live life for you you know Mm -hmm. like a lot of us have dreams and and I think I don't know there's a lot of influence around us you know as far as family friends I mean society like there's just a lot of pressures to to not go for what you want and uh I think the biggest thing that I've realized is at first it's very lonely, you know, when you go for what you want, but over the years you start to realize like because of that choice you made, that that courageous choice you made to go against the current, you actually inspired more people than you thought you would. You know, I think that's the biggest uh, shock for me is how many friends and family I've, I've inspired to, for them to become better. You know, they want to try new things now. They want to get out of their comfort zone and, you know, it's it's like just being that rock, that kind of that 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 first person to take that stand and and uh, you know live your kind of life, and then it, people around you see how much fun you're having, and it's <laughs> like, man, I want that kind of freedom, you know. And then it just kind of inspires from there. So I think that's the only thing I could say is like looking back, it's like, yeah, people growing up or youth, whoever, it's like, 
I know deep down they have dreams. Like, even though they want to admit it or not, everyone has a dream or they have something that they wish they could do or that would be amazing. And it's like, well, go try it. You know, go try it. Because along the way, you might find the real thing that you want to do. And it's like, oh, I, you never would have stumbled upon that opportunity if you didn't take the first step, you know? Yes. Sometimes it's on the fourth try. <laughs> Uh, you know, speaking as somebody who's, you know, been in the entertainment industry, yeah, it's going to take quite a few tries before, you know, you, you get your sea legs <laughs> totally. <all> studied. <laughs> well, Kyle, thank you so much for the interview. And um, for folks listening, please watch out for Road to Freedom. Um, also, you know, keep an eye out for the movie Billy. Yes. And uh, just, you know, I think, you know, I've I've watched you on the Indigenous People's Day Live. So, yeah, I think you're, you know, moving in the right direction and you're giving a lot of young people, um, you know, good examples to live by. And, you know, as somebody that young people can look to, look up to. So, um, you know, well, I just, appreciate that very much. Thank you. <laughs> So I just wanted to say miigwech for giving us the interview today. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good day, Kyle. Yeah, you too. Take care. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Welcome back to Mino Gandegan, the Good Voice podcast, a show exploring reconciliation from an Indigenous perspective. We just spoke with Kyle Nobis. Be sure to check out his website, kylenobis.com. Up next, our second and final guest is Ashley Richard, born and grown in Winnipeg, Manitoba. She is one of the founders of Red Rising Magazine and the Manitoba representative for Taking It Global. Through her work with Taking It Global, she created Rising Youth, a program that helps young people by providing them with grants to put out positive community initiatives. Hi friends, this is Sasha Mark and uh, you are listening to the Minogondagan podcast. Hi, Ashley Richard. How are you? <laughs> hey, I'm good. Good, 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 good. We met on Valentine's Day, I think, maybe. Hmm. <laughs> it's not a very romantic story, but so there's a lot of love in general. But uh, how did we meet? Yeah, so uh, as part of um, my work with Red Rising Magazine, one of my favorite, actually my absolute favorite Red Rising event is definitely the comedy show called Laughter's Medicine. I have a huge role uh, in the production of that. So this year on Valentine's Day was our second Laughter's Medicine. And I was excited because we had uh, some returning uh, acts from the first show, but then we also had a lot of new acts, uh, and you were one of them. So that, that is me. How we met. That is me, and it was one of the best shows I've ever done in my life. And thank you for coming in today. It really means a lot that you're here. I was born in Winnipeg. Okay. Uh, around the time I was four or five, I moved out to Toronto, and I grew up there until I decided to move back here when I was 21. What was your big dream in Toronto? What did what was the things that Ashley wanted to do? I know in my in my younger years, especially my teenage years, I was pretty much living life day by day mm -hmm. without a direction. I yeah. didn't really have any dreams or goals for myself. Um, my grandmother had a lot of dreams and goals for me. Um, so it wasn't until she, my grandmother had passed away when I was 20 that I decided to leave Toronto and come back here. 
you're 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 changing lives every day through the work you're doing. You know, you are you know you're working with Red Rising through Rising Youth, and um, you know you're just doing a lot of community efforts within the city. So, if you had to give anybody advice who was in a sh- uh, in a place where like they're lost and they don't know quite um, what to do, like what kind of advice would you give to that person? Because sometimes it's really hard to get out of that uh, well when you're in it. Yeah, I get asked that a lot, and I guess. The only piece of advice I could think of, and it was something that I had to learn myself, was just to not compare my life experiences to that of another person's um, and to not, you know, create worth for my life experiences like when I'm comparing it, you know, to what everybody else is doing. It's kind of, um, I think a lot of people face a lot of unique setbacks or challenges and you can sometimes deviate from your life path but just keep going and if you have to take it day by day hour by hour you know do whatever you have to do and i would i would hope that you know a lot of people feel that they have a support group or even a support person someone they feel that they can reach out to because i know it's it gets tough when you tougher when you feel like you're completely alone no that definitely is thank you for sharing that and it's it's not something easy to face as well and i'm i'm glad you're here and doing the work that you're doing um is there anything that you want to talk about that situation in terms of yeah um um, i guess i've been pretty vocal and open about my story since i came back to winnipeg Mm -hmm. um i just when i was in high school as a teenager, I thought I knew everything. I had everything figured out. Um, I decided to move out when I was 15 years old, um, which just led to a series of, you know, different things happening. I was really young, living on my own. I got evicted so many times. Um, and then it just got to a point where I had nowhere left to go. Um, and then I was homeless for a number of months until I would kind of sleep wherever I could, um, asking friends if I could crash on their couch. And that's just, that's actually a very quick way to run out of friends. <laughs> uh, you run out of them faster than you think you would. And then I ended up in a youth shelter, and it was when I was in the youth shelter I thought, um, this isn't like where I want to be. I really want to finish high school at least. And so I'd say around the time I was 17, 18, I really decided to turn it around. Um, I got, I would work <laughs> as many jobs as I could. Most of the time I was working two jobs um, just to kind of stay in my apartment. And But it got to the point where I wasn't really sure what I was going to do with the rest of my life. Like I, I remember I was working at Blockbuster <laughs> during the day and then I was bartending at night and it just thought like this could go on forever. And then uh, there was one night, it was really late at night, and I was walking um, towards to try and get a taxi home, and that was the night I ended up being um, sexually assaulted by a complete stranger on the street, and that was probably one of the worst summers of my life, just because immediately as soon as that happened, my grandmother went into the hospital, um, and she ended up uh, passing away roughly around the same time and my grandmother she was my whole kind of reason for living and she was the whole reason why I wanted to do better for myself so after she passed away I went through a bit of a dark period and I ended up drinking too much partying too much um, you name the destructive behavior I was trying to find a way to do it 
Uh, and then I ended up one night in a really bad car accident, and I was lucky to be alive. And when I looked in the mirror and I saw how my face looked, I was almost unrecognizable. And I just thought, my grandmother, uh, you know, she didn't spend 20 years with me for me to just throw it all out the window. So I packed up all my stuff, and I came here to move to Winnipeg to work with the community that she worked with. I'm so lucky to have you here. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's in a nutshell how I got here. <laughs> well, you know what? We're all lucky to have you here. And I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. The Minigon Dagan podcast, you know, the, the, the community that you've affected, even through comedy and, you know, through, <laughs> 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 the, you know, the indigenous community here. Um, you know, the work that you're doing is amazing. So thank you for all that. Thank um, you. So we're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say... Um, if you had to like look at yourself now and you know talk to you know you know fifteen year old Ashley who 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 seems like a little lost and she's like I I feel stuck I I I don't know what's happening with my friend situation and you know I I, I just don't know what's happening like what would you tell Ashley? Knowing what I know now, uh, I would tell myself to remember my spirit name. And my spirit name is Gagi Gay Kwe, which means forever woman. And when I was really young, I used to ask my grandmother what my spirit name meant. And she said that it meant that I was going to grow up to be a powerful woman. And she said, even more powerful than me. And I remember at the time, around the time I was 15, when all these things were happening, that just didn't even seem realistic. I had just, you know... I had strayed so far away from my life path and the meaning of my spirit name, but just I would love to remind myself um, that my spirit name and that teaching that my grandma gave me with my spirit name is the most important thing. That's that's very good information. So uh, I hope <laughs> young Ashley would have listened to that, you know. But um, no, you do a lot of youth empowerment and, you know, that's the that's the main focus of like a lot of the work that you do. Mm -hmm. So um, do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, the project you're working, um, uh, uh, Rising Youth? Yeah, it's actually interesting how I came across the job with uh, taking a global. I've never worked for a not for profit before. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and a lot of the time uh, I would volunteer in the community. I would spend all my time volunteering and it would just be like, I loved it. That was what I was so passionate about. Like meet me at the bell tower, Red Rising magazine. I, I love that sort of thing. And so when I found out about this company that I work for now called Taking It Global, it was just through um, a public speaking event I was doing and I was on a panel and I was sitting next to this guy Dallas Pelly and he worked at Taking It Global and he was talking about this program Connected North and I was just so fascinated by it and I, it just sounded like the kind of work that I want to do, you know, bringing technology and educational resources to remote reserves. So. <laughs> in front of like almost I don't know 600 700 people I was like that sounds like my dream job and he's like we should connect after this so then it just turned out uh, they were looking to hire someone in Manitoba but for the rising youth program which is also a taking a global project so rise I read about rising youth and I thought yeah this is definitely something I can do uh, rising youth is it's a community service grants program uh, promoting volunteerism in youth across Canada. So 
I just thought in terms of all the work that I had done, all the work that I do in my spare time and all the volunteerism that I do, it just seemed like a perfect fit. It is a perfect fit. So um, for youth at home, one applies. So it's 15 to 30. Yeah. So the applicants have to be 15 to 30. Okay. So 15 to 30. How do they apply? Uh, so you can go on to our website, which is risingyouth.ca, and then you'll see a huge button at the top, and it says apply now. And then so when you click that, it'll take you to the three levels of grants that we have available. So we have 250, 750, and 1500. And what's really awesome about the application process is to apply for the grant, it should not take you more than five 10 minutes at most. Uh, it's all done online. You can even do it on your phone or your tablet. Um, so it's, uh, in terms of accessibility, we try to really break down any barriers that youth might have when applying for grants. Yeah, because grant writing is a scary thing, you know, especially yeah. <laughs> if you're and young. daunting. Yeah. Like, there's just so <laughs> many things you have to provide. So we, we didn't want it to be like that at all. No, that's awesome. That's 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 amazing. Holy mm -hmm. smokes. And I think that's so needed. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's awesome because uh, we it's all about asking the youth, what do you what do you think would make your community brighter? Mm -hmm. We don't have a ton of projects that we thought of and we're just going across Canada getting youth to do them. We're really asking them individually. What do they think um, would work and what does their community need? So just it's really um, it's grassroots driven and it allow it empowers youth to decide for themselves what they can do you yeah. know within their own limits so that's that's one thing that I really like about the program and plus then through that just across Canada we've just seen such a unique um, and diverse I guess like a, just a ton of projects different types yeah um no, that's that's awesome. Do you have any like favorite projects or thing, things that you can talk about projects that are <laughs> yeah. along the way? Yeah. <laughs> um, there's been a lot of applications for uh, community gardens, oh, community nice. cleanups. Um, there was recently a project where they used the grant. I believe it was two hundred and fifty dollars. They used that to buy. Uh, sandwich supplies uh, to make little lunches and hand them out to people around um, the Higgins and Maine and Shalom Mission all around there and they provided really healthy options um, there's been so many and every time I get asked I, I totally blank yeah <laughs> there was, um, I guess there was a really interesting project actually that took place in rural Manitoba and it was a paintballing competition between the RCMP and local youth and the whole point of that was to help kind of reconcile that relationship that's mm -hmm. been previously kind of tarnished. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see what people will come up with. So there's really no boundaries on what type of project we'll fund as long as it's volunteer run and you're passionate about it <laughs> yeah that's no that's amazing and uh, i'm glad to hear that there's a lot of good ideas and a lot of things that are moving forward with this and uh, i'm stoked to see what comes down in the future so yeah. <laughs> that's so <laughs> awesome yeah um so this podcast the big theme of this podcast is reconciliation um so to you what does reconciliation mean to you uh to me I try to keep it very simple because um, I think 
there's a lot of people who spend a, a lot of time overanalyzing it and overthinking it mm-hmm. that we almost have come to this standstill. To me, reconciliation is just all about respect, mm-hmm. but really any of the seven teachings. Um, yeah. But mainly the first thing that comes to mind for me is respect. That's something that my grandma drilled <laughs> into me yeah. since I was uh, since I was a kid and in terms of just the relationship between indigenous and non-indigenous people, I think if you always have that foundation of respect, um, the rest of the good stuff would just grow from there. But yeah. we're not there for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> not there, not yet. But, uh, you know, uh, that's that's the future. That's the game plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I was going to ask. Uh, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you think um, do you think this kind of work uh, that you do would have been possible before you know the TRC and like the recognition of you know reconciliation and moving that forward? Do you think the work that you do because th- your work, um, especially with rising youth, you know, there's a big indigenous kind of you know focal point to it, but it's not exclusive to outside of that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think you know if um, that looked different? Do you think rec- uh, rising youth would look different? Uh, good question. So Rising Youth is funded through the Canada Service Corps program. Mm-hmm. So our our goal and mandate is that 25% of all applications need to go to Indigenous youth. Oh. Um, and then another 25% to underrepresented communities. And then the other 50% is just... Anyone 15 to 30. Anyone 15 to 30. <laughs> I don't want to say, you know, just everyone else. But yeah, the, basically. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting because, you know, I've always kind of followed the path that my grandma laid out for me. Mm-hmm. And she, when she was, she was working during a time when there really weren't many, if any, Um, Aboriginal organizations like I know she was really instrumental in you know getting the Aboriginal Council of Winnipeg started the Indian and Métis Friendship Center and of course the Thunderbird House so um, in terms of continuing her work and I'm you know I'm right now working during a time when there have been such things like the calls to action Um, there have been you know I think we've made steps forward not enough, but mm-hmm. I definitely do think that they've impacted the work that I do, especially with rising youth. You know, if you look at our logo, um, which is here somewhere, <laughs> it's uh, our logo is drawn by an indigenous artist named McGeezy. And mm-hmm. he uh, he does a lot of work with taking a global out in Toronto and just in terms of just the way taking a global run like the like the culture, they didn't hire me as you know like an indigenous employee yeah they they just hired me and there's actually a number there's like a strong indigenous representation on all of the staff across taking it global and it's not in like a, a check the box sort of way mm-hmm. that's just the taking a global culture which i'm honestly so lucky to yeah. be a part of well you're also well deserving and uh, i couldn't think of any else who would have been like a perfect fit for a lot of good things like that. So, <laughs> you know, I think on the forefront of like rising youth too, I think they're lucky as well. Yeah. So. Rising youth has been really great. And even, but with red rising magazine as well, like 
um, the, the times that we're living in have given us the opportunity to kind of theme our issues after really, I guess, huge topics that yeah. people are talking about, especially because ish, our sixth issue came out uh, right during Canada's 150th, and that was a huge topic um, that everyone was talking about. So we dedicated the whole issue um, to that theme. Okay. Like what does Canada's 150th mean to us? Yeah, what a controversial year <laughs> <laughs> to be in uh, Canada. Um, but uh, yeah, no. Um, so, okay, for folks that, again, folks that want to apply for uh, uh, for grants, they go where? Uh, risingyouth.ca. And if you need to connect with Ashley Richard in regards to grant things or community projects or anything, how can we find you, Ashley? <laughs> You can email me. So my email is ashley at takingitglobal.org. Okay. Or I'm also on Instagram. Yeah, follow her on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, That is our episode for the Minogondagan podcast. Welcome back to Minogondagan, the Good Voice podcast, a show exploring reconciliation from an Indigenous perspective. We just spoke with Ashley Richard. Be sure to check out her LinkedIn profile at linkedin.com slash Ashley Richard. Miigwech to all of our guests on this episode, the 12th in our series. Thank you for sharing your stories and your thoughts on a subject that should be on every Canadian voice, reconciliation. We hope that you've enjoyed our conversations today and will tune into future episodes as we engage in more thought-provoking conversations about reconciliation. We'll close off our episode with a track from the OB. This is Not a Terrorist. Check out more of his music at soundcloud.com slash studio 393. Today a new day. Yesterday I saw my grandma in Edmonton. Today a new day. My uncle Adam caught a case and I liked him. Today a new day. Today a new day. My auntie's boyfriend in the pen and I don't like him. Today a new day. My mom done fell and hurt her leg at the Santa Claus parade. They asked her if she okay or if she drank. I don't like that. And today a new day. My pops done got pulled over when the towers done fall. And I ain't like that. So I ain't quit yet. I ain't quit yet. Chopper in my bike, falling in a pothole in the 7 Eleven, looking like a jackpot. 
if I intervene, will I die? Machete's gonna kill me. Cops just scare me. Everyone in trouble when the neighborhood is income, yo. Everyone in trouble when the neighborhood is income, yo. Ah. Uh. Probably cause it's a probable cause. Probably cause it's a probable cause. Dave is my friend. These is my ends. Probably cause it's a probable cause. Yeah. We are falling. We are falling. We are falling. In our passions with the neighborhood and the shortcuts with the dollar slice. We are falling. It's a probable, it's a probable, it's a probable cause. Mino Gundagan was produced on Treaty 1 territory, the original lands of the Anishinaabek, Nahewak, Ojikri, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Metis Nation. Our executive producer is Alyssa Blackwolf Kixon. Our associate producer is Sasha Mark, and I'm your host, Tim Fontaine. Our theme music comes to us courtesy of Boogie the Beat. Check out more of his brilliant work at soundcloud.com slash boogiethebeat. The interstitial music is courtesy of Bloom. You can hear more of their songs at bloom14.bandcamp.com. We would like to thank the Community Radio Fund of Canada, the University of Manitoba's Office of Indigenous Achievement, the National Centre for Truth and Reconciliation, the University of Manitoba Students' Union, and UMFM 101.5 for their support in the production of this series.